0: From the wilderness of Kodiak Island, Alaska, this is Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier with your host, Robin Bearfield. In a land full of peril and vicious animals, humans are the most dangerous predators of all. Alaska is big. From the end of the Aleutian Island chain to the southeastern panhandle, Alaska spans a distance as wide as the continental United States. And Alaska is twice the size of Texas in area. Despite its geographical size, though, only 750,000 people live in the state. Half of the population resides in Anchorage, and a large percentage of the remainder live in Fairbanks and Juneau. The rest of us who call Alaska home mostly live in small towns across the state, many of which are isolated and surrounded by wilderness. This story reminds me of how small Alaska is in many ways. Bethany Carrera, the subject of this episode, grew up in Talkeetna, Alaska, and since I have friends in Talkeetna, I asked them if they had heard of Bethany or her family. They said they knew the Carreras and were well aware of the tragedy that befell the family when Bethany disappeared. This crime occurred in Anchorage, but the citizens of Talkeetna were the ones who felt its impact. Welcome to Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I'm your host Robin Bearfield and I'm broadcasting from the heart of the Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge on Kodiak Island in Alaska. Talkeetna, Alaska is considered the gateway to Mount Denali, the highest mountain in North America. In the summer, tourists, including mountain climbers, hikers, flight seers, and those who just want to view the majestic mountain, flock to Talkeetna. In the winter, though, the tourists leave, and the 800 residents who remain settle down to quiet lives, watching the magnificent displays of the northern lights, playing in the deep snow, raising their children, and gathering for social events to help them forget the cold, dark winter. Talkeetna is a small town where nearly everyone knows everyone else, and when Bethany Carrera disappeared, residents immediately responded to search for one of their own. Billy and Linda Carrera moved to Talkeetna in the 1970s. They built a log cabin near a pond and raised two sons and two daughters. Linda homeschooled her kids taught them to be independent, and told them they could accomplish anything they wanted in life. Bethany, the second oldest child, was sweet and self-sufficient. Before she was 20 years old, Bethany had gone to Nepal as a Christian missionary, sailed in the South Pacific while working as a nanny for a doctor's family, and worked in base camps with climbers at the base of Mount Denali. She sewed patches on her favorite backpack from all the places she had traveled. Bethany was athletic, smart, beautiful, and knew how to take care of herself. Most recently, Bethany had been living in Nome, where she worked in the office of an airline. Her boyfriend was a pilot with the same airline. In the spring of 2003, Bethany moved to Anchorage to attend college. She wanted to become a doctor. Bethany and her mother searched for a place for Bethany to rent in Anchorage and settled on an apartment on M Street in Bootlegger's Cove, an area near the water in downtown Anchorage. Bethany was thrilled when the apartment manager, Mike Lawson, offered her a part-time job cleaning vacant apartments in her complex so they could be re-rented. Five days after Bethany moved to Anchorage, her mother made the two-and-one-half-hour drive from Talkeetna to Anchorage to go garage sale shopping with her daughter. When Linda arrived at Bethany's apartment, she found the door unlocked and her daughter gone. While concerned by her daughter's absence, Linda was not overly alarmed. She decided to go to a nearby garage sale by herself. But once she got to the sale, she could not stop worrying about Bethany, and she soon returned to her daughter's apartment. When Bethany had not returned to her apartment by late afternoon, Linda called the police and convinced them her daughter was missing. She then called her husband, Billy, and he immediately drove to Anchorage. Detective Glenn Clinkhart arrived at Bethany's apartment later that evening and Linda showed the detective Bethany's purse still hanging in her closet and her cell phone on the kitchen counter. It looked as if Bethany had stepped out of the apartment for a minute not planning to be gone long, and then she disappeared into thin air. Detective Klinkhart was disturbed when he learned the building next door to Bethany's apartment, a vacant part of the same complex where she lived, had burned to the ground earlier in the morning. Authorities quickly ruled the fire an accidental electrical fire, but Klinkhart felt certain the blaze was related to Bethany's disappearance. Klinkhart called in other fire experts to examine the burned building, and they told him, they believed someone intentionally set the fire. Clinkart suspected the perpetrator burned the building to destroy evidence related to Bethany's disappearance. An army of people from Taquitna descended upon Anchorage and began placing missing person posters throughout the city. They searched every place they could think of for any sign of Bethany. Clinkart helped them make the posters and encouraged them to speak to the media to keep Bethany's name and her story in front of the public. Talkeetna residents left their jobs during the busy tourist season to help with the search. Bethany's mother, Linda, did her best to stay positive and help organize the volunteers. Bethany's boyfriend quickly was excluded as a suspect. He told detectives he had talked to Bethany early on the morning she disappeared, and she said she had a morning appointment with the apartment manager so he could train her on how to show apartments to prospective renters. Detective Clinkart interviewed Mike Lawson, the manager of Bethany's apartment complex, and Lawson confirmed he did talk to Bethany at 8 a.m. on Saturday, the day she disappeared. According to Lawson, though, he was just returning Bethany's call. He said Bethany had trouble with some of the keys to the apartments, but had since resolved the issue. Lawson said he did not see Bethany the day she went missing and had no intention of teaching her how to show apartments. He told Clinkart that Bethany's job was to clean the apartments. Showing apartments was his job, not Bethany's. Mike Lawson's brother, Bob, who lived with Mike, said he and Mike spent the day at home watching NASCAR. Both men told Klinkhart they did not see Bethany the day she disappeared. Detective Clinkart had no evidence against the brothers, but he thought they seemed nervous during the interview, and he was suspicious of the pair. A few days later, Franco Besinez, a man who worked with Mike Lawson in his roofing business, Contacted Detective Clinkart and said he feared Mike Lawson had something to do with Bethany's disappearance. Franco said Lawson's fourth wife had just left him and he was talking about taking out his anger on other women. Now, according to Franco, Lawson kept referring to Bethany as the bitch who was causing him trouble. Clinkart pulled Mike Lawson's cell phone records for the Saturday Bethany disappeared. Mike and Bob Lawson claimed they'd spent the day at home in front of the television, but the cell phone records told a different story. About the time the detective believed Bethany disappeared, he noted several unanswered calls from Mike Lawson's cell phone to Mike's own home. Why would Mike call his house if he was there, as he stated? Clinkhart checked Cell Tower Records and saw Mike Lawson's phone was in downtown Anchorage near M Street, where Bethany lived, when he made the calls to his home number. After the unanswered calls to his home, Mike Lawson then called his brother Bob's cell phone, and they had a two-minute conversation. According to Cell Tower Records, Bob was at home when he talked to his brother, what was Mike Lawson doing on M Street when Bethany disappeared? And why was he so desperate to speak to his brother? Clinkhart felt the two-minute call between Mike and Bob Lawson was the key to finding out what happened to Bethany Carrera. After the call between Mike Lawson and his brother, cell phone records told Clinkhart that Mike's phone, and presumably Mike, went back to Lawson's home and then traveled 45 miles north of Anchorage until it dropped out of range of cell towers. Clinkhart felt certain Mike and Bob Lawson drove Bethany's body north and dumped her somewhere. Except for cell phone records, though, Clinkhart had no evidence against the Lawson brothers. He obtained a warrant to search Mike's SUV, but Mike scrubbed it clean before the search, and the detective found nothing incriminating in the vehicle. Let me pause for a minute so I can thank the creative folks at the puzzle game app Best Fiends for sponsoring Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier. I appreciate your support, and I love playing your game. Best Fiends is a bright, colorful game you download and can even play offline. The cute insect characters make me smile when they cheer after I successfully complete a level. Each of my insect pals provides assistance, either with a bomb or with a converter to aid in my collections. The challenges change with every level. I master some levels on the first try, but I replay others numerous times before I am successful. I highly recommend this game for sharpening your focus, relaxing your mind, and just having a few minutes of fun. Engage your brain with fun puzzles and collect tons of cute characters. Trust me, with over 100 million downloads, this five-star rated mobile puzzle game is a must play. Download Best Fiends free on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Nine months passed with no trace of Bethany Carrera. Mike Lawson quit talking to the police, so Clinkhart brought his brother in for questioning. While it was clear the two brothers were close and would protect each other, Clinkhart felt he could play on Bob's sense of morality. But Bob refused to budge and said his brother had nothing to do with the disappearance of Bethany Carrera. When Clinkhart discovered Mike had a criminal record, he thought he might have the wedge he needed to pry the brothers apart. Both brothers lied about Mike's criminal past when they applied for their business loan, So, Klinkhart convinced the FBI to file federal fraud charges against the Lawson brothers. The FBI and Klinkhart then gave Bob a choice. He could tell them what he knew about Bethany Carrera and remain free or go to jail with his brother on the federal fraud charges. The decision was painful for Bob, but he finally cracked and told Klinkhart about the phone call he received from his brother on the morning Bethany disappeared. Bob said his brother called and said, I'm in trouble. I shot somebody. In his first statement, Bob said he refused to help his brother, and he thought his brother dumped Bethany's body in the woods. But Clinkhart did not believe him. He felt certain Bob was with Mike when Mike dumped Bethany's body somewhere north of Anchorage. Klinkhart played on Bob's conscience by telling him he planned to talk to the Carrera family, and he would like to be able to help them. Bob could no longer handle the burden of guilt he was carrying, and he finally began to tell the truth. He said, after Mike called him, he drove to the vacant duplex next to Bethany's apartment complex. When he arrived, he found Mike high on cocaine, and a dead, naked Bethany slumped against a bedroom wall. Bob said he was in shock, and while he knew his brother hated women, he could not believe he would shoot and kill this young woman. Bob helped Mike roll Bethany in plastic and put her in Mike's SUV. Bob patched the apartment wall and tried to clean up the crime scene. Mike wanted to drive Bethany's body 369 miles north to Fairbanks and dump her in a gravel pit owned by a friend. But as they drove north, Bob began to worry they would have a flat tire or get into a wreck and someone would see Bethany's body in the back of the SUV. He convinced Mike to stop near mile marker 129 on the Parks Highway and dump Bethany's body in an abandoned gravel pit. Mile marker 129 on the Parks Highway is only 40 miles from the Carreras' home in Talkeetna. When they got back to Anchorage, Mike Lawson decided they needed to burn the duplex where he'd murdered Bethany to destroy any remaining trace evidence from the crime. Bob lit a fire at the duplex, but it must have gone out because the duplex wasn't seen ablaze until the following morning. Clinkhart believed Mike returned to the scene, and when he saw the building hadn't burned, he lit another fire. Clinkhart met with Linda, Billy, and Bethany's younger sister, Havilah and told them he knew Bethany was dead. He asked them not to tell anyone else this news, because the investigation was still open, and he had not yet found Bethany's body. Even though they wanted the detective to give them more information and tell them how he knew she was dead, they had come to trust Clinkhart, and they knew he would not tell them Bethany was dead unless he was confident of the fact. Bob Lawson led Clinkhart and other detectives to the gravel pit where he said they dumped Bethany's body. But by the time Bob confessed it was February and six feet of snow covered the ground, the recovery of Bethany's body would have to wait until the snow melted. Clinkhart knew they were building a case against Mike Lawson, but he needed more evidence on Mike before the district attorney could charge Lawson with Bethany's murder. Since the police found no physical evidence tying Lawson to the crime, clinkhart felt he needed Bob Lawson's help to get Mike to confess. Bob was reluctant to do anything else further to incriminate his brother. But Clinkhart convinced Bob if he didn't say something to land the blame on Mike, then his brother would claim Bob was the one who killed Bethany. Bob thought about Klinkhart's words and knew they were true. He finally agreed to help but told clinkhart it was the hardest decision he ever made. Klinkhart arranged a call between Bob and Mike. Bob was at police headquarters, and Mike was still in prison. Klinkhart recorded the call. Mike was suspicious and guarded in his answers. He made Bob swear on their mother's grave the call was not being recorded, and then told Bob the murder was an accident, and he was high on cocaine at the time he shot Bethany. Bob asked Mike why Bethany was naked, and if he sexually assaulted her. Mike said he did not rape Bethany, but removed her clothes so she wouldn't run away. It was enough. Mike admitted to the murder, and now he would not be able to pin Bethany's death on his brother. Bob, though, felt he betrayed his brother by lying to him about the recorded call, and his actions weighed heavily on him. May 1, 2004, was unusually hot. And on May 3rd, Detective Clinkart and another detective quietly drove to the gravel pit where Bob Lawson said he and his brother dumped Bethany's body. At first they saw nothing, but then they spotted a blue fleece jacket in the woods. And next they saw puka shells like those on the necklace Bethany's boyfriend gave her three days before she disappeared. They also found bones and a clump of hair but animals had scattered most of Bethany's remains. Bethany was found a year to the day from when she disappeared. Her mother felt it was a miracle. She was found close to her home precisely one year after her death. Mike Lawson was formally charged with Bethany's murder, as well as with six other counts, including arson and tampering with evidence. He admitted to Klinkhart he killed Bethany, but claimed the shooting was accidental. At 3 a.m. one morning, not long before Mike Lawson's trial, a ringing phone awakened Detective Klinkhart, and the news was not good. An Alaska state trooper told the detective that Bob Lawson was found dead. He committed suicide by carbon monoxide poisoning, and his roommate found him sitting in his truck with the motor running in an enclosed garage. He left Klinkhart a note telling him he could not testify against his brother. Bob Lawson's suicide devastated the prosecution's case. They could not use any of Lawson's videotaped statements about his brother calling him to the murder scene, dumping the body, or any of the other statements related to the murder because Bob was not alive for the defense counsel to cross-examine. The only evidence related to Bob still admissible in the trial was his taped phone call to Mike in prison. Bethany's family attended court every day during Lawson's trial, and Billy and Linda secretly brought with them Bethany's remains tucked in her favorite backpack. When they quietly told Clinkhart what was in the pack, he asked if he could set it beside him at the prosecution's table so Bethany would have a front row seat at Lawson's trial. The prosecution was not allowed to mention Mike Lawson's former conviction for two counts of sexual assault. Without Bob Lawson there to testify, the jury had no way to know if Mike sexually assaulted Bethany and then shot her, or if the shooting was an accident, as he claimed. The jury deliberated for four days and finally returned with a verdict of second-degree murder. They found Lawson not guilty of kidnapping and arson, but they convicted him of some of the lesser charges. Many jurors felt they had let Bethany's family down with their verdict, and then came the next blow. The judge told the jurors he would like them to consider one more count, being a felon in possession of a gun. Up to that moment, the jurors had no idea Mike Lawson was a felon who had done time for sexual assault. They were not allowed to know about his prior conviction because they had to consider this case based only on the evidence pertaining to it. Now, though, when jurors learned of Lawson's sordid past, many of them were angry. It took jurors only five minutes to convict Lawson on the charges of a felon in possession of a handgun. Six months later at the sentencing hearing, the judge sentenced Lawson to 99 years in prison, the maximum sentence allowed for second-degree murder, and the same punishment he was likely to receive if convicted of first-degree murder. The judge said he believed the jury should have convicted Mike Lawson of first-degree murder, and he wanted to impose a sentence to fit Lawson's crime. Mike Lawson had a previous conviction for sexual assault and had been accused several times of assaulting women. He was a violent predator who belonged behind bars. Residents of Talkeetna were happy to see Mike Lawson receive a stiff sentence but his conviction and incarceration did not bring Bethany back to them. Thank you for listening, and thank you to my patrons. I appreciate you. Be sure to check out my show notes to learn more about this episode and how you can support this podcast by joining The Last Frontier Club. I'll be back soon with the next episode of Murder and Mystery in the Last Frontier.